The Swain Event Podcast is brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. There are over 100 million pieces of litter on our beautiful Tennessee roadways, and TDOT spends $19 million a year picking it up. Join the Nobody Trashes Tennessee movement at nobodytrashestennessee.com. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Transportation. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com. Fueled by that in barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Folks, it is Monday, Dr. Mark Luther King Day, Ben McKee, Jason Swain. Ben is live there in the Ben McKee studio. I'm right here in the Low T Center studio. Ben, good morning, sir. Morning, how are you? Man, um, I'm good. I'm good. I, I think you sleep better when it's cold outside. I think. And I uh, had a good night's sleep. And um, the football weekend, playoff weekend, uh, was something that just, it was it was good that it was snowing outside. No reason to really gap on the roads. So you just sit, chill, watch football all day. That's, that's what I did, man. So I slept tight. My team didn't play in the playoffs, so I didn't have anything to worry about. The only thing I was worried about was the teams that I picked to cover, to cover. Um, but man, it was a um, it was a it was a sports weekend. It was a sports weekend. Lady Vols got the job done. Men's, um, huh? They they play a little bit of basketball, a little bit. Ben, if you had to grade the sports weekend, grade the sports weekend, what grade would you give it? An F. It, it absolutely sucked. Um, aside from the Lady Vols dominating Kentucky, it absolutely sucked. Friday night, the Grizzlies' 11-game winning streak comes to an end. Saturday, Tennessee absolutely embarrassed by Kentucky. And then Sunday, the Steelers lose to the Chiefs in blowout fashion, which I expected. So wasn't uh, too upset about it. Uh, it is what I expected. Didn't have any expectations. So this playoff loss didn't feel nearly as bad as last year's playoff loss when we were embarrassed by the Browns. Just kind of is what it is. I had my my fun for a moment when TJ Watt scored that touchdown early on. Uh, and as far as I'm concerned, the game ended at that point and the Steelers won seven to nothing. And the Steelers will be playing in Nashville this weekend. So I'll see y'all in Nashville this weekend, as far as I'm concerned, but um, just a bummer that big Ben's career is over. And uh, at least from a fandom perspective, the football season is over and I've got nine more months to go until football's back and and games are being played. So an F is how I would grade this weekend. The bad thing about your football season that it's over, the good thing is you can start being optimistic about 2022-23 and, um, you know, you can be like Cowboy fans and be like, hey, this is our year. This is our year. This is it right here. We got all our players coming back. We, we motivated. Oh, we good to go. You could be like the Cowboy fans. Could be, but uh, I'd rather not. I am very glad that the Cowboys lost, A, 
us Steelers fans do not like the Cowboys. Uh, B, I wanted Jawan Jennings and Emmanuel Mosley to move on to the next round, and that took place. So uh, let it be known that since my Steelers are now out, I do hope the Titans go and win the Super Bowl. But if not the Titans, I'd, I'd like to see Jawan Jennings and, Mo- and Emmanuel Mosley win. I, I wouldn't mind seeing Trey Smith get a ring either, but uh, I don't know. It's it's the Chiefs, and, and <laughs> they, they've already won one. I guess Trey hasn't won one. But uh, if not the Titans, then I'd like to see a former Vol get a Super Bowl ring. I guess that would be, what, Trey Smith or – Jawan and E-Man. Anybody else in the playoffs I'm missing off the top of my head? Now that there's Cam not, Sutton's out. There's not any former balls in the playoffs, man. Any uh, VFLs? There you, oh, there you go. <laughs> now that uh, Cam Sutton and Dobbs are out. Yeah, man. That's 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 what you go for if you're a Tennessee fan. You got your, you got your primary team, and then, of course, you go for that team. And if they lose, then... You got to find, I guess, individual players to go go for. But for Tennessee fans, it's always been about, all right, who played Tennessee? That's who I'm going for. And Juwan Jennings was it, – it was so predictable on third down that the 49ers were going to Juwan Jennings. They, like, dropped into a, you know, cover two, Tampa two, leaving uh, the slot wide open uh, at five or six yards. And it was just an easy pitch and catch for Jawan Jennings, like everyone knew where the ball was going because Jawan, most of his catches in the last couple of weeks have either been touchdowns or first downs. He has been yeah. reliable. So, I mean, he he should have got a penalty think, for his hit on on Tay Diggs, but I liked it. Because he's a being he's a bad one and that, that's right. Playing to the echo of the whistle. It was it was a it was a clean hit as far as I'm concerned but uh in a weird way i almost think that jimmy g trusts Jawan more than debo like i know debo's the more explosive playmaker but Jawan, the last couple of weeks has been the one that he goes to when when the 49ers have to make a play he throws it to Jawan. yeah i was i was talking to someone yesterday they were like man you know the 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 49ers have adopted Jawan jennings you know, style of play. I was like, no, 49ers, they've been playing like that. It's just that Jawan is a perfect fit for the 49ers. When they selected him in the seventh round a couple years ago, 49ers made made it to the Super Bowl, you know, playing the style that they're playing right now. Punch you in your mouth, more physical, run the football. And they did this without, you know, two of their best defensive linemen. I mean, they just punked the Cowboys. But it was cool to see Jawan Jennings on display, do everything that he did in Tennessee. It wasn't a surprise for Tennessee fans because we've seen this for multiple years here. So uh, really happy for Juwan um, and happy for E-Man. He made some plays on the outside against against the, the Cowboys offense, Dak Prescott. That's who I'm going for. And C.D. Lamb in handcuffs, baby. Yeah, I think – I think C.D. Lamb's underrated. I mean, overrated. Had a drop there in the fourth quarter. Dropped the ball too well, much for me. I I I love I love Dak, but I'm starting to wonder if if Dak is is not a little bit overrated. 
Boy, that, that, so, something, something's off with that offense. They, they've got the tools to be successful, and and something is not clicking. May, maybe it's the the coaching. I mean that that is certainly a possibility. Um, although I, I don't, I, I do think Mike McCarthy is. I don't know that he's overrated. Everybody thinks he's bad. I I I think he is not good as well, but I, I don't know that I hold Kellen Moore in that same breath. Kellen Moore seems seems to be pretty good as the OC, but they they've got the line, they've got Dak, they've got Zeke, they've got the receivers, they've got a tight end. I mean, they've got all the makings of a good offense, but something's not clicking. I, I don't know if it's Dak, I don't know if it's coaching, I, I don't know. Maybe it's the receivers being a little overrated. Like you said, Amari Cooper didn't do anything this year by by Amari Cooper standards. I, I, I don't know. I I trusted Cedric Wilson out of all those Cowboys receivers more than CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, and they're the ones that get all the fanfare. Yeah, I know. I know Cooper was not happy about you know the balls that he he was getting. Um, you know, Michael Gallup did tear his ACL was was out, and that was one of, one of his Dak one of Dak's favorite weapons. But the Cowboys and the Rams are the two best NF, NFC teams on paper. When you look at the roster, they're the best two teams on paper. But the game is played in between the, the white lines. Um, Mike McCarthy is mediocre. and At best. At best. Kellen Moore is going to be up for head coaching jobs. Kellen Moore has done a good job with Dak. It's the reason why when Mike McCarthy came to the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy learned the system that was already in place. They didn't change anything because Kellen Moore was the holdover from Jason Garrett. They didn't change anything at all. Um, it was a bad day. It was a bad day for the offensive line that that – it's supposed to be top dollar. They got bullied all day. They got bullied with or without Bosa. They just got bullied. That Prescott didn't have time to throw it. Uh, I think the last play of the game is kind of a microcosm of the entire game. Put pressure on Dak. And, um, excuse me, the second to the last offensive offensive uh, possession. Uh, when they went forward on fourth down and they threw it, Dak threw it to Cedric Wilson. And it was a little, little um, off target. But they sent pressure to Dak Prescott. They heated him up, and um, that was kind of what happened the entire game. But man, that was it was a good game towards towards the end. And um, the Cowboy fans who are deep, just like your Steelers fans, I know why y'all don't like each other because y'all are two of the most um, loyal fan bases in the NFL, prideful fan bases in the NFL. Had a lot of run-ins. Over history, not not really in my era of being a Steelers fans. Have the Cowboys been a big rival? But just kind of historically and going back b- before my generation, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of run ins. And really, we, we feel the same way about the 49ers. But I I like watching this 49ers team, man. Uh, aside from Jimmy G, they're they're a fun team to watch. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy. Jimmy G tried to give it away. I I couldn't decide who was trying to choke more, the Cowboys or the Niners. Um, obviously it ended up being the Cowboys. Cowboys, Yeah, it was definitely the Cowboys. Yes, yes. But my point is that like the Forty Niners had some WTF moments there in in the fourth quarter with some penalties and Jimmy G throwing 
that interception that he did. I mean, the 49ers had their their fair share of moments when when they were trying to blow it as well. Jimmy G, man. That's Jimmy G for you. That's why it's a question whether or not he's the feature. It's, it's why there's talk about him moving on. That's, yep. that's And it's, it seems like it's his last game. And I'm mad at myself, too. In my bones, I felt that the 49ers were going to beat the Cowboys. But? And that was that was going to be the upset, but, and I just I just did not trust Jimmy G. I I did not I did not trust my gut, and uh, instead I we we both picked the <laughs> the Patriots to be the one that upset somebody this weekend, and boy were we wrong. No, yeah, I, I picked I actually picked the Bills um, to win, and then I I messed up on uh, God, I forgot what, what what game I messed up on. Uh, I know I messed up on the Steelers, man, because I picked the Steelers to 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 cover. I just yeah, I don't know why you did that. Well, I just felt like that, you know, Mike Tomlin was going to rally the troops, and the guys were going to, you know, pl- play play their butt off. Second time playing, oh, they them. tried. Yeah, I just I felt like the, the Chiefs would win, but I thought the Steelers would be able to cover. Obviously, I was I was wrong there. Um, I did pick Tampa Bay to cover. I'm trying to remember which one I picked, but. Anyways. Well, I know during touchdown and turnover on Friday, both of us picked uh, the Pats to be the one that pulled off the upset this weekend. Yeah, I know, but with my money, I, I picked I picked the Buffalo Bills. Well, I'm bringing I'm bringing you down with me on, <laughs> on what you said on the show. That's right. Hey, hey, man, I, I I did say it on the show, but after I looked and, and saw Matt Jones, I was like, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know if I trust Matt Jones. And then, um, yeah. It, it was it was the right call, but uh, this is always one of the best times of the year, man. It really is. The Tennessee basketball. Huh. Do we have to talk about them? Well, we talk about the Tennessee team that took care of Kentucky the best. That's the Lady Vols. Yes. We back Pat. The start of We Back Pat week. They deserve the conversation for sure. 865-255-03. Ben McKee, Jason Swain. Take our first break of the day here. So don't go anywhere. Swain event. Be right back. If you want to get in on the conversation, call the Iris Network's hotline at 865-200-5503. Grow your business with Iris Network's high-speed fiber internet. irisnetworksusa.com. Is that as low as you can go? Okay, thank you. Hello, is that as low as you can go? Okay, thank you. What are you doing? Calling around to get the best rate on a car loan. Why? Everyone knows Alcoa 10 is the best choice to purchase a vehicle or refinance your current loan. And with low interest rates and 90 days to your first payment, it's a no-brainer. You can even apply online and sign all the documents from the convenience of your home. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Alcoa 10 Credit Union. It's so easy. Go to atfcu.com for details. Rates are dependent on credit score and equal housing lender. When you start your own business, you know that branding can make or break a new venture. That's why Swain Event relies on 42nd Street. 42nd Street is a strategy agency focused on finding creative, open-minded, results-driven solutions to brand design. 
After over a decade of operations in East Tennessee, the brand architects at 42nd Street have the experience and creative know-how to ensure the success of your business branding, logo, web presence, and more. To see a real-life example of their amazing work, you can check out our website at SwainEvent.com. Don't trust the branding of your business to just anyone. Check out my friends at 42nd Street online at 42st.com or give them a call at 865-382-7007. 42nd Street, brand, strategy, design. Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant Dead End Barbecue is a no-brainer when you are craving the smoky flavor of quality Q. Dead End makes it easy to enjoy their fantastic menu with online ordering from Chow Now for pickup. Or if you don't feel like leaving the house, then have Dead End Barbecue delivered right to your door by Loco Knoxville or Bite Squad. Cheer on your favorite team with the best barbecue around. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. JC's Tree and Landscaping Service specializes in quality tree work done at an affordable price. Trimming and removing trees are their specialty. They also offer other services like land clearing, stump grinding, crane services, and all of your basic landscaping needs for both commercial and residential. JC's will give you a free estimate and beat any written quote by a competitor to guarantee that you get the lowest price around. Don't risk your land with a fly-by-night service. JC's Tree and Landscaping is licensed and insured. Give them a call at 865-599-3799. For a replay of each day's Swain Event TV, like us on Facebook. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead and Barbecue. Hour 1 is brought to you by Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and... Electrical, Ben McKee, Jason Swain. I mean, Lady Voss took care of business against Kentucky, Ben. That's all I know. They did. They did. They they absolutely dominated and uh, did so without Tamari Key for most of the game. And uh, Ray Burrell finally getting back to, to full strength, it appears. And she was on fire for the three-point line. She was awesome. And uh, yeah. Kentucky got a uh, – the, the petty side of me came out watching that game yesterday, Swing, because there's a former Lady Vol starting for Kentucky in Jasmine Massingale who transferred after Kelly Harper's first season. And things have not really gone her way in terms of playing Tennessee since she transferred to Kentucky. And there's also Ryan Howard, who is a Tennessean. Didn't grow up a Lady Vols fan. Grew up a Florida fan, actually. But uh, from Cleveland, Tennessee. And she hasn't had the most luck against the Lady Vols either. So I enjoyed the two East Tennesseans, Jasmine Massingale, a Chattanooga native. I I've enjoyed seeing them yesterday lose to the Lady Vols, knowing Knowing the circumstances, the petty side of me came out. No, for sure, man. Those two who are who are best friends, uh, they had thirty-seven points combined. Ryan Howard had twenty-three, and Massingale had had thirteen. And and um, I th I th 
I thought they would they would be better to be honest, man. Uh, Ron Howard being, you know, being as experienced as she is, and Madison Gill being experienced as she is. And I think maybe it's the role players, but um, they get walloped by by Tennessee. And I mean, Tennessee had one, two, three, four players in double figures, and Lexus Die had nine. Uh, I was at the mall on Saturday. And uh, I saw a big group of Lady Vols walking walking together. You can just tell, man. You can just tell. You can just tell. Especially yeah, they're bi- they're bigger Key. than everybody. Yeah, Tamar Key was with, in the group. You could just see her her red hair just above everybody. But um, w- one thing that we can see is, man, the culture is so, so healthy right now. Uh, they're playing together. They're loving on each other, like each other. They're celebrating after every – Every win, that's kind of that's really really fun to see. Um, they hit what ten threes <laughs> in, in the game against Kentucky, and the same thing we did to Kentucky girls, where you know the the ocean goes like an ocean, couldn't miss. I mean Tennessee, we shot fifty percent from three. We shot better from three than we did from two. Free throws were eighty three percent. I mean it was just our it was our day. The men's team had the same thing happen to them that the Kentucky girls team had to to them, where you play a team and it's just it's just their day. It's their day. Kentucky men's team would have beat anybody in the country on Saturday, Ben. Yes. Anybody. Gonzaga. Yes. Auburn. Put him put him in front of any team in in, the, in college basketball on Saturday. They're beating everybody. This is why last week I felt like Kentucky could be one of the teams from the SEC that can get to the Final Four because I saw what they did against LSU without Tata um, and without without um, Wheeler. Those guys went out with injury. And Kentucky was still able to hang with LSU and only lose by a couple points. They got those guys back, and Tata has a career day against Tennessee, and no one can miss. No one missed in the first half against against Tennessee, and in either half, I know, right? And the first half was even—I mean, my goodness—the first half was like shoot around yes. against the second best team, defensive team in in the country. And you know, I can get—we can get—we can get mad, we can get irate, but there's just some games where you're like, guys, you wasn't winning this game. <laughs> it didn't matter what you what you did. You were not winning this game. They shot 78.6% from the field in the first half. You wouldn't win it. Simple as that, Ben. That is uh, certainly a, a more positive outlook than I expected for you to have. Oh, I got, I I I got negativity. I got some negativity. <laughs> I got some negative things not, to point out. Uh, well, that, that's where I'm going. Not that I disagree with you. I, I do agree with you. Uh, Kentucky – Certainly got hot. I mean, it was their their best shooting conference game in 25 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, even Tennessee played fairly well offensively in the first half. And statistically, they shot the ball well for the entire game. They hadn't shot that well from the field since December 14th, over a month. And then it had been a month and a half since they shot that well from three and they only had 
two games this season where they shot better from three. So, I mean, Tennessee played, you know, shot the ball well statistically, which seemed to be a, a good step in the right direction because obviously, as we know, uh, Tennessee has struggled to shoot the ball for much of this season, especially since conference play started. And it just did not matter. And I agree with everything that you said, Swain. Even if Tennessee had played well, Kentucky still would have won. But Kentucky should not have won by 28 points. And although they were shooting into the Atlantic Ocean, Tennessee gave them so many easy looks whether it be points in transition, points off of turnovers, second chance points. I mean, it was just they, they were providing them easy looks and weren't really giving them a hand in their face and, and making them take difficult shots. And I'm, I'm a little confused as to what the game plan was in the first place or in the first half, sorry. I certainly understand trying to focus on Oscar Shibway there in that opening half and and telling your guys not to help off of Oscar. Certainly understand that. But the the on ball defense for the other guys was abysmal. Kennedy Chandler and Zakai Ziegler and, and the backcourt got cooked and, and Kentucky was getting free runs at the rim and, and getting open, uncontested shots at the rim. And then and, and when that wasn't happening, they were getting uncontested looks and open looks from, from three. And a, a lot of it seemed to be because they were so focused on, on Oscar. And again, I certainly understand why, but that, that seemed to cause a lot of issue with the help defense. And it, it was just as well as Kentucky, shot the ball. It was frustrating to see them shoot the ball as well as they did and then have as many open looks as they did because it didn't matter whether it was from three, mid-range, or at the rim. There were very, very, very few contested shots, it felt like. Yeah, I mean, listen, there's plenty of things to to point out negative when you get beat when you get beat that bad. Um, but you also have to recognize that that Kentucky and you just did shot the best that they have shot in freaking years, and you have to recognize that. Now the fast break points, twenty seven to one, that that can't happen. <laughs> I mean, Tennessee only had one point on the fast fast break. Uh, you got one of the fastest point guards in the in the country. You have athletes on on the wing on the perimeter. Only one point in the entire game. That's that's not going to fly. Um, you look at the bench points for Kentucky. I mean, those guys were you know getting off the bench and making some plays. Tennessee did a good job of matching that. Um, rebounding, listen, man, you, you're going up against the best rebounder you know in the country. You didn't get dominated in that area. Uh, you held your own, but man, it's the it's the shots. It's the it's the shots from Kentucky. Uh, it was like target practice for those guys. It was like practice. It was like shoot around. They were playing gotcha, and uh, Tata Washington was 
was uh, magnificent. Uh, Savar Wheeler was was magnificent. There was a time when I was I was hearing his name pronounced Severe Wheeler. They change he changed his name too. As far as I know, it's severe. That that's how I heard John Calipari say it after the game. I Man, I've been uh, hearing it sound you know pronounced differently in the in like in the last few weeks on broadcasts. Well, I obviously I did not hear the broadcast because I drove up to Lexington for the game on Saturday, but uh, I've only heard severe and Coach Cal doing his post game radio on the floor there in front of Kentucky fans. It's like a show that Coach Cal puts on. He is truly a a a car salesman, mm-hmm. and he he is destined for TV when he is done coaching. Assuming he doesn't coach forever, uh, he he is certain he's going to be a good broadcaster because he just he loves to hear himself talk. But uh, I heard him say, "How about severe?" Yeah. I, I, I that's like the one thing I remember him <laughs> saying because it, it, he like he paused dramatically and then was like, "Man." How about Severe coming back? He's pretty good, isn't he? He is. He, 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 um, I mean, he had 21 points, man. He's a pass first point guard. He don't even want to shoot, but he was eight for 10 from the field. My goodness. 10 shots and he made, he made eight of them. He had 21 points. Tata Washington had 28 points. Uh, Kellen Grady, you know, in games that I watch Kentucky play, like, I watched Kentucky play in all the games where he missed shots because obviously he's shooting a great percentage and I missed all the ones that he made, but I didn't miss it on Saturday because he's making all of his shots against, against us. He was four for, for seven for three. He was lights out. I mean, Keon Rooks has been there 83 years. He almost had double figures. Jacob Toppin, um, who did a really good job against LSU, you know, he, he he was okay, but, like, everyone had a great, great day. I mean, they they made 20 free throws out of 21. Like, it was Kentucky's day, man. I said it earlier. Like, Kentucky would beat anybody in the country on Saturday. This is what they're capable of. And um, Tennessee has their own set of problems. And I told you I had some negativity I could point out. Well, here's some. We challenged Brandon Huntley Hatfield to bring more to the table, to bring more intensity, to bring more effort. And after the game, it's recognized that he has done that, and he still didn't play as much as he should have. That's that's something well, that has to be addressed. Rick Barnes did, did say he has to be better. What did you think of Rick's reasoning? Well, well, yeah, I, I heard Rick's reasoning. The game got away What'd from him. What did you think of it? I, I just feel like if you tell a player, this is what I need you to do to play, and you do those things and you don't play – you're kind of breaking. You're breaking your promise. You're you're it. You want to have trust. You want your players to trust you. If I'm Brantley Huntley Hatfield, and you tell me everything I need to do to get on the on the court, get more minutes, and I do it, and I still don't get those minutes, how am I supposed to feel? How am I supposed to believe that what you're telling me? Is how I really get on the on the court, or if you just don't want to play me. That's the confusing thing about the situation. Now, as a as a coach, I had a conversation with somebody about this uh, Saturday after the game. You have a plan when you go into the game. 
of, okay, if this happens, you know, we're going to play this person. You know, we want to do this. But Tennessee got blitzed. And in that moment, I do understand saying, all right, man, we're getting blitzed. Let me try to let me try to go with the guys who are experienced and not let this thing get away. Because I'm sorry, a Oscar Sheway and a Brandon Huntley Hatfield matchup is not what you want if you're Tennessee. But BHH has to learn someday. You gotta you gotta get in there and play someday against against good competition. I feel like the management of Brantley Huntley Hatfield was not great at all, especially after after you challenged him and he responded. According to you, he responded and you still didn't play him, but you did get blitzed. And so I do understand in that moment not playing him, but it still looks bad. And now you have to really really worry about his confidence, and his belief level. His belief level is a concern. You told him to do something, he did it. He still didn't get minutes. How much does he still believe in what is being told to him? That's the question. Yeah. I I, I don't think confidence would be an issue since he was able to have some success in the second half. Uh, looked good in the second half. I know it was kind of meaningless minutes, but – uh, I would think that that would increase his confidence moving forward just because it was kind of a, an example of his hard work and practice and preparation showing off. But I, I do agree with you with the belief standpoint and and him having faith in, in what Rick is preaching to him in practice if he's not willing to play him in that first half. And for those who did not see, Rick said that, he did not want to play Brandon or he was concerned about playing Brandon in that first half because Tennessee was getting blitzed and he didn't want Brandon to, to get thrown in there and things not go his way and, and him lose confidence and, and set him back um, even further, which, I mean, I understand what Rick is saying, but I think what you pointed out, Swain, about the belief kind of outweighs that. For real. I mean, Rick Rick's not wrong in, in in what he's saying. I totally understand what he's what he's getting at. It's kinda like, you know, playing Harrison Bailey against Alabama, right? Everybody wanted Harrison Bailey to play. Harrison Bailey. But sometimes you don't just throw a true freshman quarterback in the fire like that because you don't want to damage their their confidence. But at the same time, if you tell a player, I want you to do X, Y, and Z and if you do those things, you're going to play. And that player goes and do those things, and they don't play. They're going to look at you sideways. They are. If you're going to tell me, all right, man, I'm trying to play as a freshman, and you need to see me practice better, be 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 more, you know, show that I'm healthy, show that I know my plays, um, block better as a wide receiver, and I go do those things and practice for the entire week, and you acknowledge that I've done those things well. And, and I still don't play. I'm like, um, yo, you lied to me. I'm, that's, that's my initial reaction. Now, after a conversation, you tell me, all right, man, the game got away from me, or you know, that's my bad, or or something. Then okay, I, we can, you know, I can be okay and move forward. But that conversation needs to happen between Rick Barnes and Brantley Hunter Hatfield, or there is a possibility Brandon's going to look at the coaches and be like, hey, man. Y'all told me to do something. I did it, and you didn't up, you know, uphold your end of the bargain. 
That's what I'm well, concerned of. That's all. Yeah. Yes. No. I I agree. And on a different note that ties into Brandon Huntley Hatfield, I, I think what will <laughs> lead to Brandon playing more is the play of John Fulkerson and Olivier Camwa. They they were unplayable against Kentucky. I mean, they they were just. It's like they didn't exist. Olivier had that nice post move on the first possession of the game after Tennessee won the tip and had a nice bucket. And then he just disappeared and didn't do anything the rest of the game. And, you know, John Fulkerson, he he played very poorly, obviously. I mean, I don't understand how your two starting post players can combine for 36 minutes and, and not grab a rebound. I know there weren't many rebounds to grab because Kentucky could not miss. But how do you combine for 36 minutes and neither one of you grab a rebound? Zakai Ziegler grabbed a rebound in 16 minutes. like and, and that was off of like a ricochet and kind of like bounced right towards him. How do you not get one of those where the ball just bounces right to you in the course of 36 combined minutes? And I didn't have high expectations for Folky going into that game not because of how he had been playing recently, but just because, like, even if Folky was playing well, Oscar Shibway is not a good matchup for Folky. I mean, nope. I, I, I would have been stunned, even if Folky had been playing well in recent games, if he had success against Oscar, just because that, that is just <laughs> – that is not a good matchup for, for, for Folky. All you have to do is you have to look at Oscar and then look at Folky, and you can see why. And Urosh – had the most success against him in the first half, not saying that he was playing great basketball, but I, I thought he was just because of the the mass of Urosh and, and the size height-wise of, of Urosh that he was uh, the, the biggest test, I guess, uh, for for Oscar and, and the better matchup for Tennessee's sake than Olivier or Folky. And, I mean, you went for went to him for a couple of minutes and, and Urosh did kind of get in the way of Oscar. And, I mean, you didn't go back to it. And you tried to force the hand with Olivier and, and Folky. So I, I'm, I'm just kind of out on both of those guys, honestly, uh, with, with Olivier and, and Folky until they show me otherwise. And, I mean, I, Urosh is, is more playable at times than, than those two. And, and then, Crazy. You, and then after the Kentucky game, and kind of, again, I know it was, you know, the game was not in balance. It was out of sorts, and, and it was kind of meaningless minutes and meaningless buckets in terms of the scoreboard, and they weren't under pressure or anything. But what Brandon showed me on, on Saturday in the second half, how do you not play Brandon more? Yeah, I think I think the game tomorrow is going to be very important for Brandon Huntley-Hatfield and this basketball team. and um you know, Rick not wanting to play Brandon early because of what was happening to the team. Now you play against a team in Vanderbilt that, you know, you should beat. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean you will beat if you play poorly. They will beat you if you play poorly. But this is a this is a game where Huntley Hatfield should play early. And hopefully he goes out there and plays well. So that way it takes away minutes from uh, focusing and – uh, Olivier, I really want to see uh, Hatfield take the momentum that he created 
late in the week last week with energy and effort and intensity to the point where Rick Barnes has acknowledged that it's gotten better. All right, let's take that, what you did against Kentucky, and now build upon it with practice uh, walkthroughs today uh, as you prepare to play tomorrow. So I want to see I want to see him, man. I, I really I really do. But you know the type of guys, being that are bad matchups for John Fulkerson? Big, beefy guys. Guys with muscles. Yes. I mean, guys with muscles are bad matchups for, for, for John Fulkerson because they push Folky around. They push him yep. around. So, um, that, it is what it is. We mentioned it last week. Folky's a role player. Yep. He's, he's a role player. And um, this this roster, the more and more you think about it, it's just not constructed right, man. We don't have a post player. We don't have a, we don't have a post player. You don't have a post player, and and I and the second biggest issue on Saturday was not Josiah Jordan James, was not Santiago Vescovi. It, it wasn't really Justin Powell. Justin Powell came in and knocked down his first shot. Um, you, you'd like to see more Justin Powell, uh, more than just four shots. Um, but I mean, those guys played played well enough to to win offensively. And the the second biggest issue was your two freshman point guards. And I I, I love Kennedy Chandler. I love Zakai Ziegler. I think both are good, but they had a bad day on Saturday. You you pair the 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 lack of post players with freshman point guards turning the basketball over. And it's a recipe for disaster. Not a good day to have a bad day. Saturday. It's not a good day to have a bad day. Because Kentucky had their best day. And that's how you get beat by, you know, 30, 30 points in conference play. And Ben had to sit there and watch it in person. Poor Ben. 865-255-03. Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Stay with us. I'm Vince Moore, wide receiver, VFL 1991, and you're listening to The Swain Event. In this day and age, the way we work is changing and evolving. Businesses still moving forward despite your work location changing and supply shortages affecting a number of different areas. Office furniture is not immune to the halt in the supply chain. This is why Office Furniture Outfitters has purchased desks, chairs, and tables in bulk to provide you with in-stock options for your place of business, no matter if it's in an office building or at your house. Office Furniture Outfitters is the local supplier for Herman Miller, and they keep Aeron chairs in stock. They will come to your office, lay out, and make recommendations. No project is too big or too small. You can visit them on location at 17th Street and Grand Avenue in the Fort Sanders area or online at OFONOX.com or give them a call at 865-524-3003. Office Furniture Outfitters, providing East Tennessee's biggest selection and best value for office furniture since 1995. If you're coming to Knoxville and need a place to stay, do yourself a favor and book a room at Hampton Inn Paper Mill, also known as the Hampton on the Hill. This award-winning property is literally in the top 5% of all Hampton Inn properties. The GM, Stephen Lawrence, is a good old local boy who grew up in the business around Knoxville. 
He and his staff are always available, always willing to help, and will go above and beyond for their guests. The newest Hampton Inn in Knoxville has clean, affordable rooms, flat screens, fridges, and microwaves in every room. Plus, breakfast is included in every rate. Not to mention, there's also a pool and fitness center on site. If it wasn't so close to amazing restaurants, bars, and shopping, you would never want to leave. At only six miles from campus, you're still right in where the big orange action is. Go to HamptonInn.com, search Knoxville, and book your room at the Hampton Inn Paper Mill, or call 865-693-5400. Fellas, when it's time to freshen up that wardrobe, there's only one play to make, and that's to go see my friends at Mark Nelson Denim in downtown Knoxville. Find the latest in small batch denim in the heart of Knoxville. Denim isn't all they do though. Mark Nelson also does custom suiting and blazers. Let your personal style shine with Mark Nelson. If you don't have time to go shopping for yourself, but still want that fresh look, then sign up for the MN Society. Let the experts handle the shopping and get $300 worth of merchandise for just $150 every other month. That's six times per year to keep you looking styling every day. Let Mark Nelson Denim help you be the best you. Because when you look good, you feel good. Go to MarkNelsonDenim.com. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss PRP, platelet-rich plasma. If you have orthopedic injuries such as shoulder pain, knee pain, Achilles tendonitis, or tennis elbow, you should give them a call. Good to be back, Jason. We specialize in non-surgical orthopedics, so we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints, including rotator cuff injuries, knee injuries, and elbow and foot problems by using ultrasound-guided injections with PRP. And this form of treatment helps stimulate the body's own reparative process and assist in the healing of damaged tissue. Doc, what makes your training different than others? I've been practicing in Knox Hill for over 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. They've been the leader in this form of treatment since 1983. I also teach this form of treatment on a national and international basis to other physicians, residents, and medical students. Here in our clinic, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own PRP, which are concentrated platelets, to treat your injury. So in other words, Jason, it comes from you and it goes back to you, so you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Do what the pros, college athletes, and I have done, and visit them online at trsportsmedicine.com. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, East Tennessee's leader in PRP therapy. At Iris Networks, we know that business communication solutions are critical to your success. Since 1998, we've been helping businesses in East Tennessee by providing reliable and affordable high-speed fiber internet and voice solutions. That's why Iris Networks is your Tennessee communications partner. With internet speeds up to 100 gigs and work-from-anywhere solutions like mobile apps, video conferencing, and file sharing, we make sure you can stay connected to your customers and great communities we live and work in. Iris Networks, because just like you, Tennessee is our home. Mondays are the best, man, because we get around the SEC and we get a ton of news that happens over the weekend. Uh, a lot of snow in SEC country. I'm good on snow, though. I'm good. I don't. I don't really want to see any more snow, Ben. I like looking at the snow. I, I don't. I don't mind 
the snow. I, I do wish that we as Southerners were more prepared to commute in the snow, but uh, I like the snow. I, I like looking at it. Again, I, I lived in New York for four years, upstate New York, when I was a kid, and like my dad would have to wake up every single morning before work and school and shovel the driveway and sidewalk off, so I don't mind it. Yeah, there's there's things I like to do outside that I would like to get done, but I can't because it's too cold and it's snow and I mean, you know, now that, that I got Ace and Ace likes to run outside, he t- he's tearing up my backyard because it's always, it's always <laughs> the, the grass is always soft. And so I just, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm over the snow. Uh, last night, could not leave my house um, without sliding down a hill because I live up on a hill. And so I did not do the locker room last night. Um, it's just... It's not giving me enough snow to build a snowman, so don't give me any. Because all you're doing is just making it difficult for me to do the things I want to do. And I know it's selfish. I don't care. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's best to be that. selfish. I'm being selfish. I know this. But I'm good on the snowman. Let's bring, I just wanted to be cold enough to kill all the bugs and then bring me my good weather back so I can be outside and do stuff. That's all I want. That's all I want. Um, ben... It seems like every time a player goes into the transfer portal, that's that is all I want as well. That is a player to come to Tennessee, or a couple players come to Tennessee. Uh, there has been more movement inside the transfer portal from the SEC. Ben, um, Tennessee did host one of their committed players from the portal as well, and Isaiah Nayor. But give us all the good stuff that you got in that bag, man. Yeah, we can talk about Tennessee's two official visitors. In hour two, which is six minutes away, I've got a ton of around the SEC nuggets for you. Just a, a ton of roster moves over the weekend, and uh, I'm just gonna run through these and cut me off if if there's something that you want to talk about, Swain. But uh, we'll start in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Ugh, where you. Sam Pittman and the Hogs called the Hogs and had a good weekend. Two fellow SEC players decided that they were going to transfer to Arkansas. And the first was Alabama outside linebacker Drew Sanders, a former five-star. He announced that he is transferring to Arkansas. And Arkansas also landed former LSU defensive back Dwight McLaughlin who is a former four-star recruit, had 32 tackles this season and an interception in nine games. So Arkansas, two big-time pickups. And uh, you start to look at what Arkansas has done in the portal so far this offseason, and uh, they're at the, the top of the list of teams who have taken most advantage of the transfer portal. You, you look at a couple of other Alabama transfers and their landing spot, Drew Sanders was not the only one that announced that he was or announced his new home. Again, he picks Arkansas. Drew Sanders did. Uh, Jalil Billingsley, the tight end, he is headed to Texas. He committed to Texas over the weekend, so he's going to go play for Steve Sarkeesian. Paul Tyson 
the grandson of Bear Bryant. He picked Arizona State. Arizona State gets Paul Tyson. And then King Mawuatua. I don't know how to say his last name. That's that's my best guess. He's going to go play for Butch Jones at Arkansas State. Uh, Alabama did have a busy weekend aside from its transfers announcing destinations. Chris Allen declared for the NFL draft. And on Friday, they had uh, several guys either announce that they are returning or moving on. Uh, and unfortunately, they had several guys announce that they are returning, including Henry To'o To'o. He announced that he is going to return for a fourth season of college football his second in Tuscaloosa, DJ Dale, a defensive tackle, a defensive tackle, a defensive tackle. Uh, he announced that he is going to return as well. He is one of their starting defensive linemen, DeMarco Hellams and Jordan Battle, two of their starting defensive backs. They are returning Byron Young, an edge rusher who plays a pretty good bit. He is returning and Emil Ikior, one of their starting guards is returning as well javon baker a receiver did announce that he is in the portal and he actually visited florida this weekend and slade bolden for some reason decided that he is going to declare for the nfl draft i like slade bolden i think he's a pretty good college receiver but was kind of surprised that he decided to enter his name into the nfl draft jalen armor davis one of uh, the starting DBs for Alabama also decided to enter the draft. I mentioned Florida a moment ago. They picked up a transfer over the weekend, a couple of transfers, mm. the most significant one being a Georgia corner in Jalen Kimber, a Georgia cornerback, Jalen Kimber, who is a former top 10 cornerback prospect. He announced that he is going to transfer to the Gators uh, Florida also found out that their edge rusher, Brenton Cox Jr., is going to return for another season. And there's just so many roster notes. I'll uh, I'll put a bow on this today and leave some for tomorrow. Uh, we had some coaching moves as as well. In addition to Florida tight end, Keymore Gamble announcing that he was transferring to UCF. I found that interesting. Uh, Florida to UCF after all the talk that those two schools have have had. He had 31 catches and four touchdowns this year, Keymore Gamble. But uh, LSU is hiring Georgia's Cortez Hankton as wide receivers coach. Uh, Hankton is a Louisiana native and former NFL receiver. He had been at Georgia since 2018, had been Georgia's pass game coordinator, and, and he is headed to LSU. Yeah, there was there was rumblings about him going to, to LSU. LSU had not filled their receiver uh, spot, um, and it's easy to kind of look and go, wait a minute. Here's someone that's at Georgia that's from Louisiana, and put two and two together. People were speculating about him moving to LSU. It finally happened after they won, won the game. So, uh, yeah, man, a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on in the SEC. And I'm sitting here, you know, watching Arkansas clean up, watching Florida make some moves, 
And uh, I think it's pretty natural to be like, yo, when our, when our, our, our moves coming, when we going to make some moves, that's pretty natural if you're a Tennessee fan. Um, but you still have to think about the moves that were made last year. And then also it makes you kind of think about, all right, are we going to take a scholarship reduction? Is it why we may not be able to take a lot of, a lot of players? You have to ask yourself that. So, um, a lot to get to, though, now we're number two, for sure, man. A lot to get to. Uh, Isaiah Nayor finally made it on campus. We'll talk about his visit coming up next. Swain event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue.